Back in 1964, a young Bob Dylan captured the hearts of folk um, music lovers and civil rights movement activists alike with the iconic song, The Times They Are A Changing. If there's one constant in life, it is that of change. So how do we avoid being crushed under the weight of the, the disco mirror ball of life? How do we not only survive change, but actually thrive in a space where there is this ever-changing world in which we live in? How do we survive it? Well, that was the question that you put to Matt and me as we continue today in our You Ask For It message series. How do we adapt to an ever-changing world? One option is to bob along on the sea of life without a rudder to steer with, allowing the wind and the waves to to carry us where they will. But as whimsical and as romantic as that may sound, you potentially end up becoming a slave to the latest fad, going along with what everyone else is doing at any given moment, agreeing with the majority in a world full of vibrancy and colour, you end up becoming very, very grey. As the 20th century saying goes, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. But then on the other end of the spectrum is that we become fundamentally rigid, uncompromising, immovable, being unwilling to change or accept an alternate point of view. Martial arts champion Bruce Lee has said, Notice that the stiffest tree is most easily cracked, while the bamboo or willow survives by bending with the wind. And that's not too far from the sacred text, the sacred proverb, which says, Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. And yet, as both extremes can be quite unhelpful for us at best or have us move, to, uh, have us move into a potentially irrelevant um, situation because of having a, a lukewarm living or immovable arrogance, both extremes are possibly the easiest way to deal with an ever-changing world. You think of it, to... to be faced with change, well, one option is just to go along with it and keep on going along with whatever change is happening. The other option is to say, no, I am not going to change, la, 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 go away. And either constant is the easiest way to have you make decisions on how to deal with a world that is ever-changing. The bobbling along the sea option, going along with whatever is the fat or the movement, the fundamentally rid of rigid option, has us choose not to change despite the cost. But if we sit, if we sit somewhere between either of these extremes, then we will be faced with choices. We'll be faced with the need to adapt. We'll be faced with conflict. We'll be faced with potentially being accused of hypocrisy as we learn and discover new things that have us change our opinion that we once stood firm in will be faced with tension. A while ago, a bloke um, who had to deal with massive cultural changes, I read about him a while ago, and he lived and worked and travelled around the Middle East 
around um, West Asia, around Southern Europe, and he came across a myriad of different cultures and the differences that, that were enough to make your head spin. As he travelled, he'd go from one country to the next and, and just the differences that each one had. All the while, this guy tried to navigate the tensions between staying true to what he believed in as a follower of Jesus, but engaging with people, people who he had to do business with in the manufacturing industry of pop-up accommodation. He was one of these edgy Christians who was prepared to push the envelope to unsettle conservative Christians that were um, much more down the fundamentalist line. So if you ever find yourself wondering, how far should I go in adapting to a changing world around me? Should I just try and fit in with popular culture? Should I try to push back and stand firm? Then my guess is that we could get some clues from this bloke we know as Paul, a tent maker, a missiologist, a student of culture and change, and a passionate follower of Jesus in all aspects of life. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. There is a ripper version of Paul's letter that was um, penned and it's been adapted or interpreted by a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson in what is called The Message. And I thought it might be good to look at Paul's letter to the church at Corinth as Paul writes about navigating the tension of culture and adapting with uncompromising passion. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 19 to 23. As I said, I'll be reading from the message translation. If you've got a different translation in front of you, that's okay. I'm sure you'll be able to follow just fine. The message translation reads this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to all in order um, to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, Meticulous, moralists, loose living, immoralists, the defeated, the demoralised, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. I want to take three passes, as it were, over this section of Paul's letter, looking at key elements that help us in our adapting to an ever-changing world. And I'll share a little bit about how I've responded, and I'm going to invite you in a uh, few moments' time where you can also um, chime in with your thoughts and feelings, and I'll race around with the microphone, and uh, you can ask some questions if you like, or we'll have a chance to respond to the promptings that God's saying to us today. The first thing I should note when I look at Paul's letter is the diversity of people and cultures and subcultures that Paul lived with with purpose. Through business and in everyday life, Paul connected with a a wide range of people, from politicians 
to prisoners and everything in between. These included the religious, those following religious practices which may have included scheduled times of prayer, what sort of meat they would eat or whose homes they would or wouldn't go into. Then there were the non-religious, those who didn't give a rip where the meat was from. They had no interest in religion and believed that religion should be outgrown like beliefs in fairies at the bottom of the garden, Santa Claus, the meticulous moralists, those people who were fanatical in their application of the law and tradition, those who had a belief system that affects every aspect of their life and stick to it with zeal. I was looking at some examples of uh, you know, meticulous moralists today and came across a video of a, a, a vegan that basically her view was, if you eat meat, you're a murderer and you deserve to die. That sort of meticulous moralist. Loose living immoralists. Those who showed a lack of self-restraint. People who have uh, as a priority to live for a good time rather than for a long time. And the defeated and demoralised. Those who were rejected by mainstream society, left to fend for themselves as best, best they can, if they can. Hanging out with such diverse cultures and subcultures can easily have you compromise and become disorientated. But Paul was able to successfully navigate such fluid contexts because he lived with purpose. And while you may not share the same purpose as Paul in his desire to help others connect with Jesus, living with purpose, living with intention can help you not get caught up in the things which are there to distract you. Consider for an example, giving to a charity with purpose. For some people, when, when we get um, approached by someone that's collecting for a charity, we feel as though, oh, it's really hard to say no. So, you know, we dive into our pocket or our purse or our wallet and, and whatever we feel isn't too embarrassingly small to give, but hopefully not too much to give that is going to leave us a bit short. We kind of dive into our pocket, give them something like that so that we don't feel guilty, so they leave us alone and we walk away somewhat satisfied. Consider the other option is to say no to everyone, no to every charity that comes and approaches us. But then there's another alternative and that's to give to charity with purpose, where you say, okay, I'm not going to support every charity, but here's a charity that I'm actually committed to supporting and I'm going to partner with them, I'm going to invest in them and I'm going to give significantly to them in whatever that means for you. And rather than getting distracted and caught up with all the other charities, I'm going to give to this charity. And when someone says to me, hey, listen, would you like to give to my charity? Say, no, thank you. I already give to a charity and I'm committed to that one. But I wish you all the best. And that helps you to stop being distracted by all the different options that are around there. And of course, everyone wants you to make sure that you're giving with priority, with purpose to their charity other than someone else's. But there's a difference when you give with purpose, when you give with intent it helps you to stop being distracted. As a parent, as a grandparent, as a student in work or in retirement, living with intention, with purpose, helps you to navigate our ever-changing world. Living with purpose is to live with an awareness of who you are 
and why you're involved in the particular circumstances that, or the situations that you're in. It helps you to focus, it helps you to prioritise, it helps you to decide what is important, what to say yes to, but then also what to say no to. Living with purpose helps you to be mindful of yourself, of your situation, and to be present in that moment, in that space of time, with intention. For me, I share Paul's desire to help people connect with Jesus and to represent Jesus to others. For Paul, living with purpose meant living with freedom. Freedom from others placing their demands and expectations on him, from being a slave to culture. It didn't mean that he was a maverick and lived with disregard to the law or the expectations or the considerations of others, but whether you're a Christian builder, painter, teacher, parent, you do these things out of a desire to honour God and that helps to bring clarity. When you're adapting to an ever-changing world, living with purpose, as I said earlier, it helps you to prioritise. Living with purpose also helps you to plan. While some people in the world are not planners, there are very few people who live daily without any plans at all. Adapting to an ever-changing world doesn't mean that you are always changing your plans, but when plans are changed, they're based on the purpose rather than pressure from society or media. For Paul, there was pressure on him on a number of occasions to change his plans of what he was doing, where he was going. And on some occasions, we see that he did change his plans, like going to Macedonia, while other times he remained steadfast when he appealed to Caesar. And he was suggesting, people said to him, no, 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 don't do that, don't go that way. He said, no, I'm appealing to Caesar. And then finally, the decision was made, you've appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. For Paul, his plan in life was to connect with people as a servant, not as their superior. To understand life from their perspective by having empathy, understanding their language and how they saw the world around him. As the world around us changes, it doesn't mean that we reject these changes, but we can plan how we adapt, how we change. We become actively involved in the process, in the decisions that are being made, rather than feeling like change is always being forced upon us. We maintain our purpose. We plan to respond to the changes around us and we remain true in all of that to our core values. For Paul, when he adapted to the perspectives of another, their language, their experiences of the world, he didn't compromise the values or his, his, his values or his purpose. He kept his bearings on Jesus. He valued the message of Jesus and he wanted to live it out. He wanted to be in on what God was doing, not just an observer of what God is doing. You know, for us today, there can be pressures on us in an ever-changing world to compromise our values to sweep them to one side or to go along with others so that we can fit in. That's not adapting, that's capitulating. It's giving in and letting the world tell you how to live rather than making your choices based on 
your understanding of God's given purpose for In a moment, I'm going to open it up for some feedback and questions or comments on how maybe you've adapted to some change or some of the challenges that you find in adapting to an ever-changing world. As a follower of Jesus, about 15 years ago, I spent some time exploring my core values. I'll go through mine quickly and give you an idea of how they've helped me to adapt to an ever-changing world. There's 10 of them. Um, The first one is community or relationship over individuality. The importance of living in and contributing to community rather than saying, I always want my own way. I'm an individual, you can't fool me. Um, You know, that sort of an adage. No, uh, it's about living in community, living in relationship and having that as a priority. Participation over excellence. One of the things that's important for me, a core value, is to have people participate rather than saying, oh, well, unless you meet this level, you can't be involved. Now, that doesn't mean that people just do it in an ad hoc, sloppy way. When people participate, we want them to participate to the best of their ability. But it's not until you reach this level that you can actually be involved. We're not about that. Participation over excellence. Personal spiritual journey over corporate spiritual conformity. I don't take a cookie-cutter approach to people's journey with Jesus, that it can take us in different directions, nuanced, and have vibrancy and colour and diversity in that, rather than we've all got to look and behave exactly the same way. That allows for diversity, creativity. For me, integrity over image. It's more important for me to be a person of integrity than to protect my image. And so if I stuff up, If I do the wrong thing, if I blow it, if I make mistakes, then it's important for me to be a person of integrity and acknowledge that rather than hide it by trying to protect my image. Justice and mercy over self-advancement. It's important that we provide justice and mercy for others rather than pulling and pushing other people out of the road so I can get what I want. That shows an attitude of compassion. Faith over self-security, the importance for me of taking steps of faith by living by faith rather than wanting to set up security around myself and try and conserve and protect that at all costs. Perseverance over immediacy, being willing to do the hard yards and recognise that I'm not necessarily going to see an outcome in the immediate but you just keep on chipping away there and staying true. Generosity over selfishness. This one I'm not sure of the wording is is necessarily the best and it's obedience over acknowledgement but it's basically talking about for me it's important that um, I I stay true to what I believe God's calling me to be, Um, I do what I believe God's calling me to do rather than just doing it for acknowledgement. So it's kind of maybe nuanced with humility, um, just you know, happy to do stuff behind the scenes rather than feeling as though I've got to be up front and, and not about promoting, oh, wow, look at all the wonderful things I've done. It's not about doing that. It's about just saying, look, this is what I'm meant to do. So you just get in there and do it. Forgiveness over retaliation. There have been times where I have resigned from employment because of um, an expectation that I would... Uh, be prepared to sacrifice my integrity for the sake of keeping image. 
There have been times where I have um, stood toe-to-toe with people that have been prepared to try and undermine and challenge my core values, and I've just said, no, I'm sorry. When I've applied for jobs in the past, I've given them a copy of my core values, and I've said to them, hey, listen, if you expect me to compromise any of these core values, then I am the wrong person for you. And so by setting that as a benchmark, it means then that I've stated up front, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I believe in. This is how I navigate through an ever-changing world. And these are not negotiables. They have helped me in challenges, in fluid times, to be like Bruce Lee's bamboo, firmly grounded, but with flex. But these are my core values. They're not yours, and they're not to be imposed on you. They're mine. They're not to be tossed out either, just because of any whim or wind of change that comes along. So what's helped you to adapt to an ever-changing world? What reflections might you have? And I'll just pull out the microphone. And if you've got a question or a comment or some thoughts about it, then um, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. You know, we all have to deal with change in a variety of ways. Um, It might be this is one of the areas that I struggle with when it comes to changing the world. Um, Or it could be, hey, this is what I've found that has helped me in a really special way to deal with an ever-changing world. So just pop up your hand and I'll race around with the microphone and we can have some interaction as far as that goes as well. And there's usually a rush at the end. Let's try and bring the rush to the start. So if you've got any questions or comments. Clive? I, I struggle with my, uh, <clears throat> my family. was brought up through... Uh, went to Sunday school and now with this changing world, of, of course they don't go to... Uh, my grandchildren... Don't go to church unless they come special occasion. And um, I just, with all the um, the development of the world, the way it's going, with the technology and everything else, which is wonderful, down to earth principles of things have sort of disappeared. And, uh, I feel sad about that, uh, and I would hope that um, as time goes on, my children and my grandchildren might have a, a look at things. And uh, maybe uh, they might come back. We'll see. And that's one of the things when we have a particular value that we have. And as I said before, you know, my value doesn't mean that it can be imposed on someone else. And it's giving that freedom to others that God has also given us to make those choices. And that can be scary. That can be concerning. That can be troubling. Hopefully it drives us to prayer to pray for others, but also to pray how we can continue to be a positive witness about the values that we have and how we represent um, those things that are important, that are unchanging for us in an ever-changing world. Someone else? I guess it's just um, the message spoke to me because I've had a bit of a challenge um, with some friendships lately and one of my friends really making fun of Jesus And posting stuff, you know. And the old me probably would have got into an argument with them and, you know, try to set them straight. But I just found myself, you know, because I I was hurt because it's someone who I thought, well, well, I am close to and I know that it'll work out in the end. That's how I'm looking at it now. But I just um, said, you know, friendship does work both ways. And 
I don't, you know, it was on Facebook. So, yep. you know, you've got to get careful about being keyboard warriors. Yep. When it's out there yeah. in the public domain, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And just cut a long story short, I just, you know, put that, you know, friendship works both ways and if you want to be respected, you have to respect. And, um, you know, people know that um, I love Jesus, but more importantly, I know he loves me. Yeah. And my friends, I'm saying this too. Yep. And... Um, I said, yeah, I just wanted that respect. But I feel like in the last couple of weeks I'm challenged with a few friends and last night I feel like the Lord said to me, this is about you, not them. And kindness and showing kindness and mercy and not trying to set the record straight, which I've been brought up to be a very independent person and say what I think. And I just think that even coming today here in this message, I, I just want to thank you and say that I think it really is speaking to all of us because we try to put our views on other people, but in actual fact, we just have to love people. Yeah. And um, I think I've probably jumped up there a bit in my walk with the Lord. Yeah. Good on you. Thanks, Sharon. And, and that's one of the challenges, isn't it? Because when we have one of our values encroached on, what we can sometimes want to do is fire back and shout down and that sort of stuff rather than say, hey, listen, um, because I'm aware of the value about respect and the importance of respect and the value that I have in my relationship with Jesus, these are the things that have been challenged. So rather than um, firing back, we say, okay, well, how do I try and reflect those values back to these people? So by saying, hey, you know, respect and friendship is a two-way thing. And I value respect in my giving that to you and really appreciate it when I get it back. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so so that one through, they pulled down the post and sent through an apology, which is fantastic. Great. Anyone else that wants to share anything about challenges in an ever-changing world uh, or how you navigate that space? Yep. Good on you, Matt. Um, I, I think for me, sometimes the the challenges are that. So I might personally make a decision not to do something, to say no to something. Mm. Um, but then, but then when when a huge amount of people in society say yes to it, um, it, it it's not just my decision, but it's um, you you're, you can easily just get left behind. You know. Yeah. So for example. Um, like when Facebook became really popular, I, I made a decision, I'm not going to get into it because yep. there was a whole bunch of things that I thought mm. were just leading people down paths in terms of relate the, the way we relate to each other that I didn't yep. think were very good. Yep. But, um, but sometimes you can just feel like, oh, I don't know, how can you make a positive impact rather than just withdraw? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing I often find difficult is because you can easily just say, this is my stance and yeah. just stand there and have your personal sort of little thing. Yep. But it's often a lot more helpful to, um, I think what, what I got from your message is, is about the way Paul said he voluntarily became a servant to any and all and just that, that whole approach of saying, um, I'm not taking on your way of life, but I want to understand yeah. the way you live. And um, yep. yeah. yeah, so it's that whole aspect of, of having empathy uh, and empathy, but also the values to say, okay, well, what are my concerns about the values of Facebook that kind of rub against me? And it's not about, oh, 
Facebook's terrible and all that sort of stuff. But you know, these are the things that I want to try and hold true to in those personal values about how I relate to others and I don't want to just bring it down to the lowest common denominator or whatever else it might be. So, so yeah, no, it's good. Any other thoughts or comments before we wrap up? Yep. No, no, no. That's fine, Jenny. Okay. Um, our family are friends with quite a few Muslim families and I know that that's a big change. You know, we've had all this migration coming to... Um, Australia, Victoria, etc. Yep. And so it is challenging because we um, so we don't agree with everything, of course, that that they their faith and their cultural um, uh, practices, I suppose, a lot of different things. So for us, we try to be friends with those people and to understand, to be more educated about what they believe, I suppose, and then to be able to well pray and talk us about. Mm. Uh, so that, that's a challenge anyway. But yeah. yeah, yep. And, and once again, that goes back to what Paul's talking about, you know, that, that for him he wanted to understand things from their worldview and then look for opportunities of sharing God's love within that space. Uh, so that's great. Do one last one just in case and then we'll wrap up. I just think it's sad that um, my brother said to me, I'll never believe in Jesus and um, don't talk to me about religion. And my mum and dad are not are not churchgoers or they go to the Welsh church in the city but they don't believe in God, they go there for the social reason. My mum is spiritual sort of thing, she doesn't go to church, doesn't believe in Jesus in her heart but she um, prays for me, for my illness, for my depression and um, my dad and my brother are totally unspiritual they just don't believe in jesus and um they argue with me and um that forever argue with me on this point and it's just yeah. dif- difficult and um it makes it difficult for for me to sort of impart my faith onto them and um yeah yeah and i think that's the always the challenge isn't it about once again going back to the comment at the start about how much do we try and push or Uh, say to others, I want you to believe this, as opposed to us saying, this is what I believe, this is what I hold true to, and just as I've chosen to believe this, God gives us the freedom that you can choose not to believe it as well. But how do I value that person, how do I honour that person in that relationship, even when they disagree with me? Do we go in a combative stance of wanting to argue the toss with them, or do we seek to, as Paul talks about, serve them and want to honour them in that space as well? Just some um, final thoughts or comments for us to reflect on just for a few minutes as we wrap up. For us at Northern, our world's changing as well. Federal government changes some of our funding and work for the dole and we need to adapt. Our services may change, our language may change, Our communication method may change. Even our Sunday service times may change. Our staff may change. Our building may change. Our activities may change to better respond to the world around us. But our values of developing community, deepening spirituality and demonstrating compassion have not changed. That will help us to plan for the future and to fulfil God's purpose for us as a community of Christians seeking to live lives full of faith in Jesus. 
So as we respond, as we take some time to respond, I invite you to pull up those cards. And what areas of change bring the biggest challenge for you? What sort of areas of change bring the biggest challenge for you? Like the mirror ball of change pinning you down onto the dance floor. Which of these three, purpose, planning or values, might help you to better adapt or respond to these changes? There's going to be some music played. I invite you to reflect on those things, but there might be something else that God's been saying to you today. Pull out those uh, response cards, take some time to respond. God bless you.